Project Tribute Foundation is a 501c3 nonprofit dedicated to aiding our nation's first responders. Our vision and mission is to enhance the life-saving capabilities of our first responders through raising awareness and funding for the life-saving work that they do. Our goal with the podcast is to be an educational avenue and a method for our heroes to express themselves. In the podcast, we will discuss various tough subjects. Some of the subjects may be uncomfortable or controversial. Our guests have the right to share their thoughts and ideas and for our listeners to hear the unedited words of our guests. The Foundation's role is to showcase a diverse array of thoughts and opinions within the first responder community. If you hear something that you do not agree with, please consider reaching out to us at projecttributefoundation at gmail.com and join our podcast. If you're a first responder and you would like to share your story, we truly would love to hear from you and learn from your experiences. Please enjoy this week's show, and as always, like, comment, and share to help us grow. You can find more information at www.projecttribute.com. Thanks, and have a great one. All right, welcome back, everybody, for part two with Kat. It's part two. Part two, three, whatever it might be. Um, If you haven't seen the first one or two by however we break this up before now, go check those out. Uh, We've been talking with uh, Kat Beseth. Mm Mm-hmm. I said that I said that right. Yeah, you did. Be Seth. Nope, just the Seth. Okay. <laughs> um, we've kind of been talking quite a bit about you know about mental health. Um, both of us work together on the Lawrence Fire Department. Um, that's where we met, and we'll just pick up where we left off from last time. So we were kind of talking Sweet. about um, how dumb we are as first responders that we treat <laughs> our patients one way and then treat ourselves differently. But yes. Um, I think one of my, and on that same note, sort of my pet peeves that I talk about a lot is us having a job that requires saving people and thinking that we don't need help that ourselves. We're exempt from that. Yes. Yeah. Or that we don't need to take care of ourselves. Um, and also, actually, that just reminded me, I, uh, you know, had, had ended up in therapy through a whole string of events. Um, left that therapist meant to go find another therapist and just didn't, you know, got kind of complacent. I was like, well, I'm, I'm doing okay. Um, and assuming, I don't know if you've, if you're listening, um, in the past podcasts, we were just talking about how I was suicidal for years. Um, so that had gotten a little better. So I drug my feet finding a, a new therapist. Um, and one of my, one of the other guys on the department one day, I, I was thinking about joining the peer support team. Mm-hmm. And finally, he was like, you know what, if you're going to be on the peer support team and tell people that they need help, you should probably go get help yourself and like find a freaking therapist. Yeah. And I was like, all right. I think it's a requirement. <laughs> we'll actually, We're it. supposed to be evaluated and, and have regular kind of. Yeah, but like, for I real. mean, it's, yeah, like, it's not like treatment. Yes. Yeah. This was like you. Not like actually, a maintenance thing, but yeah. like actual treatment. Yeah. yeah. He yeah. was like, no, you should. Yeah. If you're going to tell people that then go freaking do it. And yeah. I was well, like, I mean, we, <laughs> we okay. take on. I think one of the, you know, one of the issues that I've had, right, is that I, I have a hard time not taking on other people's, you know, problems as well. Yeah. I, I just, as the nature of our business, you know, mm-hmm. we're in the, the business of helping people, yeah. regardless of what that might be. We kind of talked about in the last podcast that not all of our calls are true emergencies, right? right. But maybe it's just sitting with, you know, grandma that, you know, her husband died five years ago yes. and she just wants somebody to talk to, For sure. right? Yeah. I mean, it's not what I, you know, it's not what I had pictured myself when I first started, 
but I'm okay with it, you know, because yeah. I'm essentially, I'm still, I'm still helping people. Right. Yeah. Um, I don't know where I was going with that, but. No, it's a good point. Yeah. It's different than what you think <clears throat> it is going into school for sure. Um, and we need to help ourselves. I don't know if that's where you're going, but help ourselves the same way no, we're going to help other people. So if we're going to sit there and take time and be patient with the person who's not having like a true 911 emergency, um, yeah. then we can't kind of discredit ourselves and discredit oh, our, I know where I was going our with that. feelings. Oh, you're welcome. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, by just, just our profession, you know, being in the business of helping people. Yeah. We take on a lot of different people's problems, right? You know, they call, if it's a true, let's say it's a true, you know, 911 call, emergency, yeah. whatever. You know, we show up and, you know, we can't bring our own problems into that, but we directly insert ourselves into that problem, right? They call us there to fix their problem. Yeah. Whether we can or not. So not even talking about the stress level part of that, just the emotional. I mean, I've learned it, and I don't remember where I heard this, but it, it, it made so much sense when I heard it. You have a finite amount of decisions that you can make per day. There's only so many decisions that your brain's going to be yeah. able to consciously and accurately make every single day. Yeah. And by the time we get off work, I don't know how you felt, you know, when you were working, you know, 24 hour shifts and doing all that. But, you know, if I'd had a busy shift, I, I couldn't, you know, I'd come home to my wife and she's like, what do you want for dinner? And I'm just like, uh, food. I mean, I couldn't. Yeah. yeah. No matter how hard I tried. I was like, I, I feel retarded. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's, so we take on so much and we have to make so many decisions that that it will lead into your life in some way shape or form so yeah and i can so i took a break i don't know if i actually said this um mental health was said you went to guatemala yeah so i pretty early on in my career was you know had decided i am not going to be the burnt out pissed off angry paramedic who is mad at everything who shows up um, and that happened and it happened quick. You know, I was at, I was basically in the field for four years, which te- I think burnout, unless it's changed for paramedics is like no, five that's a, years that's, that's is a, average. That's yeah. what they, yep. Um, or at least showing signs of yeah, burnout yeah. or whatever. So, and I remember Googling, like, how do you get not burnt out? How do you, <laughs> how do you fix unburn this? yourself out? Yeah. Like, and actually I did, I think I found something online that was mildly helpful, but I got to that point. Um, I was not enjoying work. And again, this is, this is because of, you know, the perfect storm of tons of different things, but, but I'm burnt out, angry. It doesn't matter what call we're on, especially at night. Bless my poor partners who I rode with the most. If we got woken up in the middle of the night. you cranky? Oh, and, and that, that is because of something that I realized, you know, later down down the line i have a problem with with being woken up in the middle of the night and it makes sense but at the time i didn't understand what was happening in my brain with nighttime calls you feel like sharing that no okay um but i just was kind of off the off the handle and it makes you feel, I think there's a, a good level of guilt that would come in because for me personally, anyway, I would feel like a little kid. Like I couldn't control it. I was just so pissed. I was so angry. It didn't matter what anyone said. And I felt like a small I've toddler. seen you a little cranky sometimes. Yeah. And yeah. I, I felt like a toddler where I'm like, okay, like <laughs> I know 
And the, except the difference is that I know I shouldn't be acting like this. You're aware of it. Yeah. Yeah. That's the difference. A toddler doesn't know. And that's developmentally appropriate, right? I'm a 20 year old kid, still a kid, but I'm like, oh my gosh, why am I angry about this? And just not really knowing why, but just being so pissed off all the time. So finally got to the point where I'm like, okay, I'm not doing anyone any good. Um, And it kind of reminds me of a quote from someone who I can't remember, but just in regards to the fire ground, it was like, when you step off of the fire truck on the fire ground, so working fire, whatever the call may be, are you an asset or are you a liability? And so I remember reading that a lot, starting it. And I would always think that more to be physical, physically, um, I am smaller than most of the guys. I don't have the natural upper body strength that a lot of the guys have. So am I an asset or am I a liability when I step off the fire truck? Can I do all of the things they can do? No. I mean, not just they being guys versus girls, but like there are things that, you know, you can't do that the biggest guy on the department could do. I guess I can. Okay, Jared. Um, So, you know, my asset or liability, I always took that to be physically. Um, And then as that went on, it was like, no, like mentally, am I an asset or am I a liability? Um, I know that I have this tunnel vision right now because I'm so pissed that they woke me up at two in the morning. Um, I can do my job because it's automatic. Like we talked about the last podcast, it's just, you shut things down and you do it. And that's fine and that worked except muscle memory yeah except then i got back to the fire station and i got back home and i had stuffed down all the angry toddler feelings i don't say that like we were taught to do yeah Yeah. but i you know stuff all those down and then it is just a perfect storm um i can't imagine honestly how people do it with like families with spouses with children thank God that I was not married in the last four years because that would have been a shit show. If I may say it could have helped you probably not, but yeah, it, well, right. It could have, yeah. but, um, yeah. I, I say even today, like you're a different I, person now than what you, what yes, you were, but so. I can tell even today when I'm not doing well, based on how angry I get at my dogs <laughs> for being dogs, like my dogs will do normal dog things. And if I'm not doing well mentally, I'm like, God, you freaking dog. I'm like, they're just barking. They do it. And, you know, oh, yeah, the, I day, get mad too. Yeah. the day before that, I was like, eh, they're dogs, you know, and yeah. it's annoying and I could train them, but I haven't yet. So it's not really their fault. They're just barking. They're letting me know something's outside. But if I'm not doing well, I'm like zero patience, very angry at the dog for being a dog. <laughs> so like, yeah, just all of those things culminate. Um, and we're not taught how to handle them. Sure. And a lot of that starts with, you know, childhood where you taught that as a kid. A lot of us weren't. Um, and then we get into this job where you see things that no one really should see. Ever. Yeah. You see it multiple times. Yeah. A um, shift, possibly. Yeah. I mean, I had back-to-back code the other day, which is mm-hmm. just someone who, who has died and we're trying to restart their heart. And it's like, yeah. It's one of our... I was trying not to say, (laughs) say I'm trying to say this in in an appropriate way. It's one of our easiest calls. Yeah. Physically. Right. Because we know, we know what we're doing. Yeah. There are set, you know, if, if, if you see this, this is what you do. If you see this, this is what you Mm -hmm. do. Not all of our medical, not all the medical and trauma stuff that we run into is like that. You know, you have to assess things and then make a determination based on what you see and what you know and, and kind of, 
yeah. take your path that way. But in a cardiac arrest, we know exactly what we're going to do yes. for, for every patient, yeah. right? There's set guidelines, set doses for medications. You see this, you're going to shock it. You see this, you're just going to do CPR. Yeah. Um, mentally, though, they can get pretty exhausting yeah. because it is a high stress situation. The person's dead and you're, we're trying to bring this person back to life, which it's is a normal. no, I mean, it's not something that that. And we have the ability to do, and I've seen it happen in front of my eyes. I've had people in cardiac arrest that we did chest compressions on, did all the stuff great, and they wake up and start yelling at me because their chest hurts. And I said, well, yeah, your chest hurts because we were just, you know, we were, we just did see chest compressions on you for five, 10 minutes, whatever yeah. it was. Um, yeah. That doesn't always happen, but yeah, rarely. Um, it's a high stress call um, emotionally sometimes, especially my toughest calls, I'll tell you right now, and yours is probably the same, are, are kids, pediatrics. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, stress, all, it doesn't matter what it is. Stress, I mean, my heart rate, just hearing the age, if yes. it's below, I don't know, I'll say 12. Yeah. It's, yeah. you know, my butthole puckers a little bit mm -hmm. more when that happens, but yeah. Um, yeah. Um, well, I'm glad you you said that. I'm, I'm not trying to pick on you. No. but Pick on me I, as much as you want. I just, I remember in paramedic school, multiple times hearing codes are the easiest thing you're going to run, not followed up by anything, you know, right. you just said, but like, they're the easiest thing in the world. And I'm like, okay, great. Codes are the easiest thing in the world. Cool. Physically. Codes are, the, but I will never, it's like my pet peeve to hear that. Um, I'm like, it's not codes wreck me. I hate codes. Mm -hmm. I would love to never run another code, but I. I, I'm, Love I'm right there with job. you. Yeah. <laughs> I am right there with you. And so I will, but like, I, yeah, that, that being set up like that in medic school, looking back, I'm like, that's really frustrating. You should, we should never be telling new medics or new EMTs. Hey, codes are the easiest thing you're going to do. Codes follow a very simple protocol. Right. That is true. Um, pretty, there's not as much critical thinking as chest pain or someone who's having breathing problems, which could be a million different things. Um, so in that way, it's straightforward, but I hate codes. Well, I hate them. So just to reiterate, so for the people that are listening that aren't first responders, because yeah. most of them are going to, if you're a first responder, you know what we're talking about. Yeah. Um, we don't, we don't like running bad calls. Like when I say bad calls, I mean like, you know, traumas. We never want that to happen to anybody, yeah. but it's in a weird way, exciting for us because we get to do our job, right? We get to do what we're trained to do. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's, it's enjoyable. is not a good word either. It's, it's exciting to be able to do what we're trained to do yeah. and it make a difference, right? Yes. Potentially. Yeah. Um, I, and I like to be, I like to be tested. I like to be challenged with things. Yeah. And so being able to use those critical thinking skills, which is, you know, I would, I would consider myself to be fairly good at my job. I think I, yeah. you know, if you're in this for a certain amount of time, you're either you, you've been there for a long time for one one of two reasons: yeah. either you're good at your job, or there's a, a lack of something in that department or whatever you're working. But, um, I like I said, I don't like running these these calls that people are hurt, really hurt, and really sick. Yeah. But it's it's exciting, and you guys should want us to be excited to do that because that means that you're going to get somebody that's passionate that yeah wants to help you right yeah. essentially that's what we're here for is to help people so yeah that's a good indication too of just the conflict of emotions that yes. that we yes are dealing with so i had to say that just to so everybody's not yeah. like oh they just they like everybody to die right and, oh for sure 
Um, but there is, and, and maybe again, you know, I'll mention kind of the guilt of like, oh, that was cool. Like I got to do my job. Oh, that, well, I mean, I don't want someone to get hurt, but like that was, and then suddenly me personally, I'm in this kind of like, oh, uh. especially when it goes well. I mean, cause we're excited about that. Yeah. It, it, if it comes out with a good outcome, we all come back to the station. We're like, Hey, that went great. Yeah. It was awesome. Even though it was probably that patient's worst day of their life. For sure. Um, but it, it, when things go well, it, it's, it's, it's cool to see that. Yes. So it's exciting. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of conflicting emotions in the job overall. Well, so now you're seeing the the complications and the, there's so many different variables when it comes to what we do yeah. that directly affect mental health. Yeah. We're not meant to see these things. No. We're not meant to be excited for somebody to go into cardiac arrest. No. We're not, I mean, it, it's, it's, we're, we're special people. Like I, <laughs> like I tell the, my EMT students and I, you know, first couple of days, mm-hmm. you're either going to love this or you're going to hate it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I can't, I would love to say that the people that hate it leave the profession because that's not the case. No. It's, it's that it's any profession, doesn't matter what it is, but yeah. um, you're going to know pretty quick if it's something that you're going to have a passion for and be good at and enjoy doing. I love what I do. Yeah. I wouldn't, yes. I, I enjoy going to work. Yeah. Especially now that I get to fly around on a helicopter yeah. all day. But <laughs> it's so hot. Those flight suits. Oh. oh my goodness. I'd rather wear bunker gear. And you think, you think I'm crazy. I'd yeah. rather wear bunker oh, gear no. than those flight suits sometimes. Bunker gear. And um, I, yeah, it, um, I call it an addiction and I don't want to call it that in a way that like it is alcohol or drugs, you know, that's, but I say that because the, you know, chemicals and the hormones that are released in your brain when you get that adrenaline, when you get that the same dopamine. Thing. Yeah. It's, it is addicting. And so the, it's a reward. If you're, your brain, yeah, right? if you love a first responder, if you are married to a first responder and you're like, why are they doing this? And I, I have some friends who, when I took my break, I had a hard time not projecting my decisions on them. And I'm like, why don't you take a break? Like, I can see this job changing you. Um, it can't be fun. And yet here I am back in it. So, you know, if you love someone and you're like, why are you doing this to yourself? You come back every day and you seem so stressed out it i i thought interject interject is yeah i mean i had i did not you know i came i i left lawrence <laughs> yes to start a company yep and it didn't turn out the way that i expected it to mm-hmm. but i mean in lieu of that not working out uh first job that i applied for was a, a paramedic position yep. here in bartlesville yep I'm closer to my family. I'm closer to my wife's family. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love the community that I'm in. And, you know, kind of going back to the helicopter thing, you know, the, the first time I saw a helicopter as a volunteer firefighter, you know, 15, 14 years ago, whatever it was, I was like, oh, that's, I, I want to do that. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, I never, I never pictured myself being able to do that. And yeah. it kind of just organically happened. Yeah. Like I didn't like, I wasn't actively really seeking it mm-hmm. um, and it just kind of happened. So it, it's, it's weird how you, you might leave and there might be some reasons, but mo- a lot of the time they leave one department They're like, um, oh, you know, I'm, I'm retiring or yeah. whatever. Or, you know, it's just, I'm going to start doing something mm-hmm. else. Right. And I was happy with that decision. It wasn't because yeah. I, I didn't leave because I didn't like what I did. I didn't leave because I, you know, 
insert whatever reason you want. Yeah. I, I left just for that opportunity. You know, I wanted to, um, like John kind of talked about in that first podcast, I've done a lot of different things and I, I just, I like saying yes to things and just to kind of see mm-hmm. what happens is a good experience. You know, you got, you got one life to live. So I try to say yes to as many things as I can. And it was an opportunity that I couldn't pass up and it was hard to do, but it, you know, it worked out for the better. I'm glad I did yeah. it, even though it didn't work out the way I planned. Right. Here I am. Here you are. And Here I, I am. And, and now I have my, you know, my, how old was I? I would have been 20, 22 years old. Saying that was my dream job. And here I am doing it. This podcast is hosted by the Project Tribute Foundation. We are a 501c3 nonprofit dedicated to aiding our first responders. Thank you for listening. For more information on our efforts, check us out at www.projecttribute.com. If you're a first responder that would like to share your story, contact us at projecttributefoundation at gmail.com. You can find us on various social media and podcast sites by searching the Project Tribute Foundation. 100% of donations are used to save lives while our retail store pays for any of our operational costs. Thank you again, and please be sure to like us, follow us, and share our foundation with your friends. Thank you, and have a great day.